In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with you. I'm your host, Father Ed Brew, OMV, Oblate of the Virgin Mary, and it's great to be with all of you. It's great to be with all of you. So as we start off this new day, let us start off by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Also, Mary is known as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's uh, pray the prayer that Mary loves most, and that prayer is the Hail Mary. Beg Mary to be with us so we can draw closer to Christ, her son. And I like to say that prayer that she loves most is the Hail Mary. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I can invite to be with us our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many different titles. Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor. Counselor, but also he's known as our consoler. Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master. Our interior master. St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf so that we can say, Abba, Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's turn to the Holy Spirit and ask him to give us a lot of light, a lot of peace a lot of joy, and to help us to live out the gospel message. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. 
And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, Lady Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, Pray for us. Saint Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Cyril of Alexandria, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So I'd like to welcome you all to our persevered family, the family that prays together, stays together. And as always, to encourage all of you, I'll be praying for you in my Mass today. Actually, I got two Masses, a funeral Mass and a Mass in the evening, so double blessing, double blessing. A double blessing for all of us. So I'd like to place you on the altar and offer the following intentions. First intention will be, I'd like to pray that all of us would be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit today. Perhaps we can say this prayer during the course of the day. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. Come Holy Spirit come. Come Holy Spirit come. Through the heart of Mary. My next intention will be. I would like to pray for your families. Our families. For our conversion. Our sanctification in our salvation. I repeat, for our conversion, our sanctification, and our salvation. 
And then I like to pray, as always. I like to pray, as always, for a very special intention. And that would be for the dying. Today, throughout the world, many people will be dying. And the most important moment in our life is the moment that we will die. That will determine for all eternity our eternal destiny. So let's pray for those who are dying today, especially those who are not well disposed. That these people would open themselves to the infinite mercy of the heart of Christ. The infinite mercy of the heart of Christ. Give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. I'd like to start off with a um, story that I recently heard that I'd like to share with you. And there's a real message in it. And this is the story. There was a, an Englishman that was apparently, I think, going on vacation to Jamaica. And uh, I guess it was the birthday of a couple of women, and this Englishman was going to try to uh, to break a record to drink to drink twenty one different cocktails in the same night. Try to imagine it. Trying to drink 21 different cocktails in one night. So he was drinking and he finished 12 of them. And he went up to his uh, room in the hotel and he was found dead. The coroner said it was as a result of Serious intentional gas, gastronomic problems. It turned out that earlier that day he was drinking brandy and whiskey earlier that day. And I think that's a lesson for us. That's a lesson for us. 
that one of the capital sins that we've learned in the spiritual exercises is that of gluttony. Gluttony can be defined as a disordered desire to eat and drink. And St. Paul warns us that adulterers, sodomites, thieves, and drunkards will have no place in the kingdom of God. This does not mean that we cannot drink a little bit. Because the first public miracle that Jesus carried out was that Jesus turned water into wine. But we have to be very careful in our use of goods, not to go overboard. May God have mercy in this man, but imagine him going before our Lord on, on the day of his judgment with leaving this world, dying because of excessive drinking. Also, we'll pray for those those who died in that accident yesterday. Many were, several of them were actually young people. Said once, I'll say it again, my friends, the purpose of our life is to get to heaven. And it's very profitable for us to meditate frequently upon the last things. The last things would be the reality of death, judgment, heaven, hell, and eternity. Yesterday I had my Spanish consecration program. We had 324 people that showed up for this. Huge numbers. Almost as if every week more and more people are pouring in. In my program is uh, the message of Our Lady of Fatima trying to unite families to family that prays together, stays together. Listening to a presentation, dividing into groups. And each family is invited to read, to pray, to read, to think, and to share the message. Then to pray the rosary. Then to, then to pray the Fatima prayers. And then to sing a Marian hymn. So we had a very good night last night. And if you read through the message of Our Lady Fatima, it is very much related to the last things. The reality of death, judgment, heaven, hell, and purgatory. Death that you sent on Francisco would be would be dying shortly after the apparitions. Judgment. As soon as we die, we're judged. 
Jacinta and Francisco were taken to heaven. And then, the July 13th apparition was that of hell. Now, Lady will go on to say that if people would meditate upon eternity, then they would be saved. So let's move into our topic today. Not to forget, if someone asks you, what about the month of June? What is the month of June for you? You should respond that the month of June is the month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. The month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Today, my friends, the church celebrates a very important saint who defended the church of heresy. And the name of this saint, my friends, is Saint Cyril of Alexandria. Saint Cyril of Alexandria was the Bishop of Alexandria, Egypt. And he lived in a time in which there were heresies. Were heresies. And one was the Christological heresy that was promoted by a, another bishop. His name was Nestorius. And Nestorius stated that Mary was the mother of Jesus, but not the mother of God. So St. Cyril of Alexandria went to the Council of Ephesus in which they proclaimed Mary as truly the mother of God. Mary is truly the mother of God. So, it's a good idea for us to renew our knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and that would be the following I'm writing out a little scheme for you here you have it. I think I can see it. Put a little bit of light on the subject. Yeah, that's good enough. Okay, in Jesus, there are two natures. There is the divine, and there is the human. <coughs> there you see it. 
two natures in Jesus. There's the divine nature and then there's the human nature. The divine nature means that Jesus is God, always was God. The human nature is that Jesus became man. And you see below, he was one person, the second person of the Trinity. Now, I'll work on this a little bit more for you. So the union of the divine and the human, we have the term, if you can see it below, the incarnation. Let's go through this. Because even today there's confusion as to the, 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 who Christ is. Jesus has two natures. He has the divine nature, which means he's God, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Consubstantial is the word we use in the creed. He has the divine nature. He always had it. But his human nature, his human nature began to exist about 2,000 years ago when the Blessed Virgin Mary, when the Blessed Virgin Mary gave her fiat, her yes. When Mary said, yes, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. In that moment, Jesus Christ took on flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That is called the Incarnation. At times, the theologians will call this the hypostatic union, the union of those two natures that you can see that I wrote up here. So, what... What Nestorius did what Nestorius did was he he denied that Jesus Christ was God. He was just man. So the Council of Ephesus came together and declared that Mary is truly the Mother of God, that Jesus Christ is not simply a man, but also he is God. And the best definition we can give is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man. Try to memorize that. Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man. All right, we have many intentions. I'd like also to ask you to pray for our our youth, our summer youth program. This evening at 7 o'clock, we'll read, we'll meet again. To learn about God. To pray together as well as to have group sharings. 
Up to this point, we've had a very good response, and I plan, God willing, to start another another program in the month of July. Not next Tuesday or eight days, because that's the 4th of July, but the following. But the young people are the young people are responding very well to this program perhaps because of your prayers so thank you very much keep up praying for the young people for the teenagers it's a teenage group All right, many of us have intentions that will place all these intentions on the altar. For Chuck, who is depressed, for the people that were killed, for our young people, for our consecration program, for 13 people that are making an eight-day retreat in Pro Sanctity in Fullerton, many intentions. So I'd like to enter into the, the readings today. which are always fascinating. Always fascinating. So we entered into the very first book of the Bible. And it's the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis. Yesterday, if you remember... We spoke about Abram's call to leave his native birthplace and to go where God wanted him to go. And Abram obeyed God, this blind faith, trusting in God. Abram took with him Lot, who was his nephew. took with him Lot, his nephew. So the reading today is the following. Both Lot and Abram, they have a lot of possessions. They have a lot of money, a lot of livestock, just a lot of possessions. However, because of this, there's a lot of arguments and quarrels that are going on between Abram's relatives and Lot's. So Abram makes this decision. Abram makes this decision. He tells Lot, "You go, you go one direction, and I'll go the other. Di- I'll go the other direction, so we can bo- avoid conflict and fights and quarrels." So Lot accepts this um, this decision. By the way, about two months ago, a movie actually came out on a on Abraham. Very interesting.
So Abram heads toward Canaan and Lot heads toward Sodom. Where eventually you'll have Sodom and Gomorrah. So they separate. They separate. I'd like to make a comment on that. And it's this. It's uh, it's some advice I'd like to give that I've I've seen over time. Now, couples that will be getting married, of course, as Catholics get married in the church to have your marriage blessed. But I strongly encourage young couples that are getting married, if possible, I know what I'm going to say is not always possible because of the social economic situation now in the world as well as the country. I, I, I understand that. But if possible, if the couple can live by themselves, and not to live, not to live with the in-laws. And I'm not bad-mouthing in-laws. Not at all. But a lot of people living together can cause a lot of tensions and disagreements. So that's my, that's actually my interpretation of the first reading. Abram and Lot, they were relatives. Abram was the uncle of Lot. And they probably loved each other very much. But with so many people following them and livestock and cattle and material possessions, uh, it was better for them to separate. So many of you have children. If your children decide to get married, they should already try to think about how we can get our own condo, apartment, down payment on our home, and to live uh, to live without inviting a lot of family members in. Because even the best family members, uh, can I be blunt with you, we get on each other's nerves. We do. We get on each other's nerves. That's, uh, that's the reality. That's part of the effects of original sin. So I know I know that it's not always easy, especially if you're living in a big city like Los Angeles, in which the cost of living is very high. But I'm presenting to you, this is the ideal. This is the ideal. Uh, and I'm I'm not going to say it's cut. It's um, <coughs> this is um, always the case because sometimes what happens is an elderly parent, say, for example, your elderly mother who's, who's lost your father and she's a widow and she's poor and she's sickly. In that case, out of charity, out of charity to welcome that uh, elderly mother into your home, 
that's uh, there's there's always exceptions to the rule. Always exceptions to the rule. But I'm trying to present to you the the ideal, the ideal. Uh, also building upon this idea of um, our social relationships, I'd have to say this. Now, this is a very delicate too. Sometimes, my friends, we have to end long-term friendships. And I'll give you an example. Many of you are are following me on Facebook or YouTube. Many of you have done the spiritual exercises. Many of you have also consecrated yourself to Jesus through Mary. And you're living very fervent spiritual lives. Very fervent spiritual lives. And you've had a friend maybe for 25 years. And this friend doesn't really practice her faith, never goes to church, uses bad language at times, sometimes would invite you to go out to the movies to see, maybe it's not a, uh, an X-rated movie or R-rated movie, but a movie that just has a lot of bad scenes. And even when you talk about religion, this person makes fun of you. So sometimes we have to uh, burn bridges and we have to end relationships. And I'd like to just make one last comment. Because in this we have Lot separating from Abram. What I'm saying say now is, is ut, of utmost importance. Is it could happen <coughs> that your son or, or daughter has a boyfriend or girlfriend? And say, for example, your daughter is, is courting a boy who's not Catholic. And is not interested in religion at all. And is considering just getting married civilly. Those are three red lights in which your daughter should bring this relationship to a screeching halt. This relationship should end. It should be severed. I say she should drop him like a hot potato.
And this is the clincher. This is the clincher. If your daughter is with the wrong person, then your daughter will never meet the right person. It's as simple as that. I repeat, if your daughter is with the wrong person, then she's never going to meet the right person. And the, this vocational choice of a married partner is the most important decision in one's life. And you don't want to make this decision a wrong decision because this could be the miss the, this this um decision could be catastrophic so hopefully you like my interpretation of abram separating from from lot giving three different ways that this can be interpreted. Family should try to avoid living with family members if possible. Second would be long-term friendships. Sometimes they have to be severed. They have to be brought to an end. And third, the decision of one's married partner, one's soulmate, should be taken very, very seriously. Yesterday was my, my parents' 69th wedding anniversary. My father died seven years ago. But they were married June 26, 1954. June 26, 1954. And it was a good marriage. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So this is, I, I think, very good advice for all of us. I can even make one, one last comment. And it would be the use of social media. I mean, you're following me, thanks be to God. But sometimes we have to cut certain programs, TV, Internet, Instagram, certain programs that could be superficial or could even be damaging to us. So there we have it, my friends. The responsorial psalm is, He who does justice will live in the presence of the Lord. I'd like to make a brief comment on the responsorial psalm. Those words, to live in the presence of the Lord.
to live in the presence of the Lord. There's a, a book that came out a few years ago. The author was Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence arrived at holiness. And this was done by Brother Lawrence trying as best he could to live in the presence of God. We might even try to do that today. Maybe try to do that today. Try to try to live in the presence of God. Try to live in the presence of God. I think it's a good idea to have holy reminders wherever you go. In your car to have the rosary or a crucifix. In your home to have images of Jesus, Mary, St. Joseph, the angels and the saints. In your office building to have the crucifix. I like to call these holy reminders. They call to mind the presence of God. And St. Teresa of Avila, one of the greatest teachers of prayer in the world, made this comment. One of the principal reasons why we commit sin is because we forget, we forget the presence of God. All right, my friends. Now I'd like to move from the Responsorial Psalm into the Gospel for today. We're heading towards, my friends, we're heading towards, my friends, toward the end of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount you can find in the the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. So we've arrived at chapter 7. So today, (coughs) it's relatively short, but Jesus gives us three different three different themes today. Three different themes. First is that Jesus says, Do not give holy things to the dogs. And do not throw your pearls to the pigs or the swine lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. 
How do we interpret that? Okay, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a pretty good interpretation, I, I believe. It is true that as followers of Christ we are called to spread the faith. One of the many effects of confirmation, several effects of confirmation would be we have an, a strengthening of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a deeper union with Christ, a deeper union with the church. Also, one of the effects of the sacrament of confirmation is confirmation gives us the ability to defend the faith and to spread the faith. That's right. It gives us the ability to defend the faith and to spread the faith. I repeat, it gives us the ability to defend the faith and to spread the faith. Like St. Cyril of Alexandria. Like St. Athanasius. Like the saint we celebrate tomorrow, St. Irenaeus. The ability to defend the faith and spread the faith. That comes from the sacrament of confirmation. However, Jesus says he gives us this this contrast. We have to be we have to be as simple as doves. <clears throat> we have to be as simple as doves. But we have to be as clever and astute as serpents. We have to be as simple as doves, but also as clever and astute as serpents. Very interesting. Okay, how can we interpret this? How can we interpret this? I'll give you a scenario. You're at the workplace. You're working <coughs> almost side by side with another another four four um, co-workers. Those four co-workers, they know, they know that you're a Catholic. They know that you're a practicing Catholic. They notice that you posted on the wall in your cubicle there a cross and 
a picture of Mary. And then you have your rosary there also. So you have not hidden the fact that you are a believing and practicing Catholic. One of them is an atheist. Another is an agnostic. A third is a non-practicing Catholic. And the fourth person is just confused about everything. But the four of them are filled with the spirit of sarcasm. So, more than once, they have made fun of you and your Catholic religion. More than once. And in the past, you've tried to explain your Catholic religion to each of them individually and a couple of times even when you're having lunch with them. And they they've given you they've given you nicknames. Here comes the saint, La Santita. Here comes the mystic. Here comes the bishop. Here comes the miracle worker. So what they do is they're uttering these sarcastic remarks. These sarcastic remarks against you. Bitter, sarcastic, biting, caustic, acrimonious remarks against you. And they hurt. So, you've arrived at the conclusion, you should arrive at the conclusion. Jesus says, do not give what is holy to dogs and don't throw your pearls to the pigs or the swine. So in a certain sense, these people would be considered the dogs or the, or the swine according to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So many of you, I think this is really hitting home with many of you. What's happened to you in the past. And sarcastic people, sarcasm is very, is very biting, very hurtful. And even Beverly is making the comment that she re remembers this even when she was a child. How painful it is. How painful those memories are. So I'm saying this to avoid uh, future problems. Future problems. So some of you are probably thinking, well, what do I do, Father? And I'll respond to that that intellectual question you that's popping up in your mind right now.
silence. Silence at times can be golden. Do you remember when Jesus was presented to King Herod? Pilate sent Jesus to King Herod. What did Jesus do in response to the conversation he had with King Herod? What did Jesus do? Herod was expecting Jesus to work a miracle. Jesus never even opened up his mouth to respond to King Herod. He never even opened up his mouth to respond to King Herod. Because Herod would have simply mocked, made fun of Jesus. Jesus did respond to Pontius Pilate because there was more goodwill in the person of Pontius Pilate, but not King Herod. So in that context, at work, (coughs) surrounded by those individuals, is silence and let let your work speak for itself. That's right. Allow your work to speak for itself. Allow your work to speak for itself. Is any word that you say is going to be taken in a sarcastic way, and you're going to be made fun of. In other words, a very solid work ethic. Arriving punctual. Working hard. Being competent. If you've got an hour break, do not stretch it to an hour and ten minutes. Finishing on time. And at at the end, just maybe greeting them. Greeting them in the morning, greeting them in the evening. And leave it at that. So I think, my friends, this has been a very helpful conversation. Hopefully the advice I've given you with Abram and Lot and the advice I've given you with respect to the gospel is helpful to you. Jesus says you have to live in the world but not to be of the world. That's what Jesus says. 
We are in the world, but not of the world. So I'd like to give you my special blessing and pray for our young people today. The Lord be the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.